Good morning, family. Good to see you this morning. This week, uh, this week past, uh, I have really loved going out on the porch in the morning, having quiet time and the cool of the day. It's been 70s till this morning. Got up this morning and I think the temperature is somewhere in the 80s. Uh, and I don't know what's, what's coming, but it's been a great time of respite. Uh, a good friend and I have been reading Psalm 16. I've been putting that into my quiet time this, this last week. We're doing a psalm a week, and, and today is, was, this week was Psalm 16. I enjoyed it so much because uh, it ends with the words, In your presence there is joy forevermore. And uh, I know that we're going to have that wonderful joy with our Savior forever. But it was a little bit uh, not as joyful this morning at 80-some degrees in, in the morning. And I'm really saying that because, uh, you know, it's why I need this morning's message, uh, this message on prayer. Because sometimes I feel like I need to have everything right for my devotionals. You ever feel that way? You know, got to have the right, the coffee's got to be right, you know, and the, the, the temperature needs to be right, and the circumstances, you know, just get those, those right. And then we're really going to have good worship when the circumstances, everything's good, right? And so um, I think probably most of you here in this hall could probably tell me what's wrong with that attitude. Uh, yes, I, I, do, I do struggle with prayer. Uh, Colleen is really good at keeping a prayer list. I'm, I'm not really good at that. Um, I, uh, in addition, every, every morning I get up with great intentions to connect well with God, but then life gets in the way. And, you know, I, I, I wanted to, to go a certain way, and whoops, now this has to be done. It has to be done now. This, all these other things are happening. Life, life sometimes seems to get in the way. I don't plan it that way. Oops. But... You know, so, so I'm, I'm just saying that, that I struggle with my prayer life, and this, preparing this message has really helped me, and I, I believe it's going to be a blessing uh, to you as well. I'd like to uh, go right straight to the passage that we're reading. I want to say, as we pull that passage up, that it has been such a joy to be studying the Lord's Prayer with Douglas and Hayden and Drew and the messages they have brought us have been an enormous blessing for me. Um, so let's go right to our passage because I think this is this this today's message is really wrapping up that series. And I think the Lord uh, gave these messages for even that very prayer. So let's read. Uh, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves Forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not 
into temptation. Now, you may have noticed that this version of the Lord's Prayer is shorter. We've been studying the, the full version that almost all of us have memorized, right? With that ends, and for yours is the, is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's the Matthew 6 version. It's, it starts at Matthew 6, 9, I believe. And that is the, the, that's what we've all memorized. And, and uh, I think one of the things that has been a blessing in this series is to, is to realize that this is not a check that, check this, check the box type prayer. It is a, a very wonderful way of connecting with our Father. And that's really what this message is about today. I've called it uh, the Midnight Caller, which is the parable Jesus attaches to this prayer that we're about to get into. And it is a, it is a message on connecting well with our Father. So back to our passage that we just read. Now Jesus, his followers saw him pray on many occasions. They'd be maybe out in the wilderness somewhere, camping, and there'd be a noise in the middle of the night, and they'd maybe wake up and say, well, where, where's Jesus? You know, he's off somewhere in the forest praying, or he's, but, but in this occasion, they were able to overhear him praying. And I have thought, how great would that be? And I'm sure you have too, to actually hear the Lord Jesus connecting with his father, praying to his father. What would that have been like? Um, well, we really can't know except that the Holy Spirit gives us to know that they observed him and heard, and it caused them to say, Lord, teach us to pray. And so uh, we would have loved to be there. And maybe we will hear that someday in heaven, and we'll, we'll catch up on all those good things. But for now, the only facts we have are that we know Jesus' prayers were different than any other religious leader of that day. They knew it. They had heard the, the, the luminaries, the big religious stars of their day pray, and they were not like his. And when he commented on their prayers, he had already pointed out the hypocrisy of praying long, windy prayers for show. He, you know, those well-crafted well-polished word salads, you know, that go on and on to the point where you, your mind goes to ev absolutely every other possible thing except that prayer. You know what I'm talking about. So Jesus said, don't be like the hypocrites. That was in Matthew 6, 5. And then another thing that Jesus never did was he never did the name it and claim it thing. You know, like, uh, you know, that uh, uh, we will overcome I, uh, the, I'm strong, you know, we're stronger than the devil and, you know, all this other things, people, the affirmations that people say, I'm strong, I'm good, I've got this, I'm balanced, um, you know, so Jesus said, don't, don't do that, don't do that, that's, he called that heaping up empty phrases, and so we know his prayers were not characteristic of the leaders of the day. They weren't characteristic of anything of that sort. Rather, what I believe they heard was something more simple, something more authentic, 
they heard, they heard the heartfelt connection of a son speaking with his dear father. And they wanted that. They longed for that. They longed for the same closeness that Jesus had with the Father. I believe when they walked up to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. There is a lot in my life, there's a lot in your life that gets in the way of that. And, you know, I want to acknowledge that. But I also want to acknowledge that the Lord has put in my heart, and I believe he's put in your hearts, the same desire they had for that connection with the Father, that closeness in prayer. We want that. Everything Drew, Douglas, and Hayden have been teaching us, I believe, have served that purpose of connecting well with the Father. And, uh, and, and in that sense, it has been a blessing. I've had a sense of deeper connection with God out of these messages. I believe you have too. And a deeper sense of family. Because as we know one another, we know the burdens and problems that each other's experiencing, we lift one another up. And that brings us closer to one another as it brings us closer to God. So when the Lord Jesus gave them what we call the Lord's Prayer, I believe it was in this very sense. He gave us a guide, a template to experiencing real life in a authentic love, in other words, a true connection with our Father. Now, for this particular lesson in Luke, I believe the shorter version is here for a very good reason, because this is more about simplicity. This uh, lesson on prayer with, where they, they had overheard him is more about finding that closeness, finding that family warmth. So he didn't need 12 desks and a, and, a, and a blackboard for, for the lesson that he's giving them here. He didn't, he didn't need that. Seminary and college Bible training is, is valuable and it is needed. I really believe that with all my heart. It's just that I don't think that that is the key to making fruitful disciples or people who connect with God in prayer. It's great for understanding Great for knowing the Bible and necessary, but it is, it is not to be confused with, with becoming fruitful disciples. Uh, discipleship is, just, is not just for pro professionals, is it? It is for all creatures, great and small. And you may think of yourself as the least and last of those creatures, the smallest of the great and small creatures, you know. But, you know, the Lord's, you are the, in the apple, even if you do think that. You are in the apple of the Lord's eye. He loves you so much. He loves you every bit as much as that, you know, great creature. If there's all creatures, great and small here. He loves everyone with the same amount of love. And so should we, by the way. So when it comes to prayer, it is not classrooms and classroom type instruction that you and I really need. What we really need is connection. We need to connect well with God. Um, so whenever you pray the Lord's Prayer from your heart, I believe that prayer has changed you in some way. Why? Because the Lord himself is in it. 
And he is the one who changes us. He transforms us. He causes us to grow in grace. So this beautiful model prayer that most of us have memorized came straight from the master's heart for that purpose, for you to connect well with the Father in prayer. And in the short list that we just read, what do we bring to God? We bring to him our love for him as our Father. We bring our desire for his public honor and the advance of the kingdom. We, give, we bring today's hunger. We bring yesterday's failures and foibles and mess-ups and rebellions. We bring our desire and need for protection from evil now and forever in his kingdom. It is so simple. And yet there's great, great power in what this lesson the Lord is, is giving us. And when we come to the Father, like any good, good Father, we just sang that beautiful song, I love it so much, He already knows everything we need. And He wisely knows that we need the heart connection with Him more than we need the answers to our prayers. We need the heart connection with him more than we need the actual answers to our prayers or needs. But he hears our requests and he grants our requests. But he knows when we ask, before we ask, if it is good for us, if it is something that we truly need. This is because he is a good father. And so, so because of that, because of the, the, the connection, I believe the Lord has given us this marvelous parable that we're going to read now, and then we'll discuss it together. The parable reads like this. And he said to them, Which of you has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut. And my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not give up, get up and give him anything because he's his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Sometimes life circumstances just sort of gang up on us, don't they? We come into a place where the needs just sort of con converge, become very intense, especially at times of transition in our lives, especially at times of transition. Several of us are going through those times right now. They need our prayers. We need to lift them up. So we find ourselves often in those times especially and also times of illness. Some of our dearest family members are, are really, really suffering. We need to remember that. But at these times, we find ourselves in desperation, just like the man in this parable. Um, this man who had, who had nothing 
when his friend came to him to visit. We want the family closeness and the warmth that the disciples had just heard in Jesus' prayer, I believe. Of course we do. But the experience we often get instead is like this man in the parable, being alone, out on the street. It's cold out there. It's damp. And we come to this big gate, right? And knock on that gate, bang on that gate in desperation because we have an incredible need. But what we get in return? A disgruntled moan. You have no idea what time it is. Get out of here. Go away. Man, it's midnight. We're in here. We're, we've got a life. Go. Go away. These, these are the feelings that every one of us has had in prayer. These are, these are my feelings. These are your feelings. Especially at a time of great need or worse, a time of desperation, one of those convergence times. You and I, in addition to, to these things that happen, we have been battered by continual attacks all our lives from the world, the flesh, our bodies, our sinfulness, and the devil, evil. And so we lack the kind of warmth and closeness. It's not, it's not in our experience. It's just the opposite is what we're experiencing in life. But tucked away in the heart of this parable, something almost hidden. It's a little picture of that family warmth and closeness. And if we're not careful, we can just read right past it, just miss it. But I want you to look again now at verse 7. The words are these. My children are with me in bed. My children are with me in bed. So says the father of children in this warm, the only warm and safe and sufficient place in this parable. You see, the smallest part of this parable, spoken as if in passing, is the biggest part, the most important part. The first part, being out in the street, was all about feelings. But this little phrase, the almost too easy to miss part, my children are with me in bed, is the center of gravity of this parable. It is the center of hope for the man in our parable in need. This is the center of hope. This is the part that's all about facts. The other part of the parable is about feelings. This is the part about reality, about the way things really are. Jesus had just taught the disciples to begin in prayer by calling him our father. Not our friend. Not even as sometimes we pray and I have many times. Oh great, holy, and awesome God. True as that is. He didn't teach us to pray that way. 
No, but if our hearts are in prayer, Jesus taught us to pray our Father, reflecting honor, family, closeness, and connection, family connection. So where in this parable do we see our Father? Exactly, right there, right in, in the inside, in the warm place. And except that in the parable, he's represented, our Father is represented by an earthly father in his earthly haven. He's in his home, and we can, we can call haven. This is the Father in haven, okay? So, and, and in this home, his children are right under his arm, you see? They're right there, a whisper away, under his arm, close in bed. So, regardless of your experience, and those are valid, your experience and my experience, broken, oftentimes harassed, under pressure, intense pressure, anxiety, are the, the, that's our experience. It's, it is for everyone who has struggled with prayer. It really is. Uh, but regardless of what you feel, in this parable we just read, where do you see yourself? Who are you? Are you truly a child of the Father? He's a good, good father. Yes, he is. And I am loved by him. That's who I am. That's who I am. I am loved by him. That's who I am. That's where I see myself in this parable. Close to the father. I know that's his heart. That's his heart for you. He wants you to see yourself as close to him. He wants you to call out to him with all your heart and say, Our Father. If you have doubts, listen, that's, that's okay. There isn't a soul in here who hasn't had doubts. To make it possible for you to be that close, to be that child, Jesus took every single one of your sins Sometimes we call them failures. They're really rebellions. He took every single one of them. All of those places where you don't connect well. All those places where you doubt, where you found yourself in prayer banging on the door. God, why don't you? Why haven't you? When will? Yeah, all of that, everything you've experienced that has felt like a separation or has been a separation between you and the Father. The Lord Jesus took in his body on the tree that we call the cross every single last thing that ever separated you from God. He took in his body. And when we do communion today together, we're going to remember his body. We're going to remember his blood as that which gives us full, open, complete access to him. And we have in this wonderful passage, the Savior who taught us to connect well with the Father still hadn't gone to that cross, but it was in his heart to do so. 
It was in his heart to do so. And it was Jesus that made that way for us to have this closeness that we can have. So I ask again in this parable, are you out alone on the empty street knocking in desperation or are you close with the Father saying I am loved by him? That's who I am. I want to answer for myself. Each of you may have your own answer. My answer is both. I am out on that street. I am in desperation. I am knocking. I'm banging. I've done that. I still do it. I still have those feelings. And I struggle with them. But I say both because I know that I know that I know that I know that he laid down his life for me. He made a way for me to come to him. And there's nothing that I've done. I've done a lot of rebellion and I have a lot of faults and failures and foibles and on it goes. But he has taken it all and made a way for me to come to him. And he's done the same for you. Done the same for you. So it is both, isn't it? We're in the street and we're in that close place. My children are with me in bed. Now think back to the beginning of our passage where the disciples had just overheard Jesus praying. Of course, we weren't there. But if you had to guess, now this is a classroom, I got the blackboard up here, here's point A, okay? If you had to guess, was it A, was his prayer, was Jesus' prayer more like A, the man banging on heaven's door in desperation, or was it B, an adoring son confident of his father's closeness and love? That's right. You, you passed the test. You passed the test. So, because in our passage the disciples had overheard the Lord's prayer, and the Lord in this parable gives them this beautiful picture of closeness. I think that this point was not lost on them. But he went on to give this overarching point of the parable. He went on to say, essentially, that if friendship was not enough to get an answer for the the man in our parable, impudence, which means here bold and brash persistence, would win the day, or in this case, the night. Bold and brash persistence in prayer can get a friend, you can rouse him out of any circumstance just about. So, in other words, if creating a clamor can rouse a friend to help in the middle of the night, how much more will a loving father come quickly to the aid of his children who are only a whisper away? And that's the point, I believe, of this parable. He'll come to your aid you're a whisper away. As a precious child in his family, you are very dear to your father. And I believe this is why Jesus began his most important lesson on prayer with the precious words that, listen, only a true child can utter honestly, our father. What else does this parable teach us? There's, there's three things in here, three powerful motives that are all hidden in one verse. This is going to be 
verse, verse 6. And uh, if, you can, if you have your, your, your Bible and your phones or, or in, uh, your, in which you brought it, you can look at verse 6 and see that there, in this one verse, we're going to go through three powerful motives that actually did something amazing for the man in the parable. And there, the, he reveals his motives when he opens his mouth to speak. They get the man out of his routine to go ask for help, number one, these motives, and, uh, and allegorically got him praying, actually. And they made his request effectual. I'm going to be using a, a, an outline from a, uh, an out-of-print book, I believe. You could probably find it in the library, though. It's by Jerry Vines. It's called Wanted Soul Winners. He just has a very good outline. I read it about 15 years ago, and it really ministered to me. And I'm going to share it with you this morning, that outline. But the three motives, we'll use the uh, alliteration of the letter D. First motive is desperation. The second motive is duty. And the third motive is destitution. And those three motives are right here in this verse. Uh, the first motive is desperation. We read in the parable in verse 6, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey. You see, desperation came to our man in the parable in the guise of a midnight visit from a friend. And as to prayer, as to your prayer life, desperation is really not your enemy. It's your friend. It's your friend. And one of the characteristics of our Western culture, especially, to which we've grown accustomed, is a sort of frantic search for happiness, which we define as plenty in both food and in surroundings. It makes us, when we're, need, when we're satiated, our needs are met so, so frequently and so often, we become lazy, spoiled, Lackadaisical. What do we lack? Desperation. We lack a desperation. If every need is met, why do we go to, to the Lord at all in prayer? And so there's a, there's a little verse in the Old Testament in Amos 6.1 that reads like this. Woe to those who are at ease in Zion. This is speaking to those people that are so satiated. They're so, they're so filled with every need, all the comfort, that, all the food, all the surroundings, that they, they were just satiated. There's no desperation. And these were the very people, woe to those who are ease and Zion, that needed to be filled with passion and filled with, with, with readiness to defend. So how can passionless, apathetic, careless soldiers expect ever to achieve any kind of victory in any conflict. See, desperation was the friend of this man in the parable because his need. You see, there's a powerful, powerful honor culture in the East that is not at all strong here in the West. And so you, I think you know about that. You, at least you've read about it. Some of you have experienced it. Uh, try to enter into that here in this parable. That's what drove the man in the parable to ask, to seek, and to knock, to get that, that need filled, whatever the cost. Through desperation, he obtained what he needed through desperation.
So it's your friend in prayer. I know some of you have been following the, 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 the war in Ukraine. When Russia invaded on February 24th, they thought that they would capture the capital of Kiev in like maybe three days. They had this blitzkrieg attack, all directions. They were wanting to take over the whole country. They thought they would have it within, within a couple of weeks. What the Russians did not count on was the indomitable spirit of the Ukrainian fighting men who were desperate to defend their families, their freedoms, and their future from Russian rule. They were desperate. You see, that desperation gave them that fighting spirit that turned the tide of, of conflict. And that's, that fighting spirit added a drive and also drove, by the way, many of our believing friends from the church where we served 19 years in, in Bucha and non-believing friends to their knees. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I received a message from a dear friend of mine, Tima, who's one of the deacons in the church there, uh, that, uh, that a historic 1,400 people came to Sunday services. Desperation is the friend of many, it turns out. Um, since then, they've had over 400 in services every Sunday. And they're preaching the gospel. And they're handing out uh, benevolent aid. But now closer to home for you and, and, and me, if you and I knew our enemy and what kind of battle is set against our heart. I believe we would pray with exactly this kind of desperation. I believe it. I think we need to have sometimes our eyes opened that life is more than comfortable surroundings and tasty food and nice gadgets and all on and on it goes. So what does desperation do? It moves us to our knees. It gets us praying. And it makes our prayer effectual. The second here, second motive in this, in this very same verse is duty. Is duty. Desperation. Duty. Duty is our responsibility to bear one another's burdens. Uh, to show honor and deference to one another. Note. Again, verse 6, a friend of mine has arrived on a journey. Here I'm focusing on three words, actually four in this case. A friend of mine. He came to me. He didn't come to somebody else. He didn't come to my family. He didn't come to my neighbor. He didn't come to my small group leader. He didn't come to my church. He didn't come to my elder or my pastor he came to me he came to me he's my responsibility and likewise there's people who come to us the Lord sends them into your orbit there's no accident in any of this they're our responsibility these are people that the Lord sends to us they're next to us in the classroom they're in the office at the grocery store the revenue uh, office the, the workplace it's our, it's our duty 
of discipleship. Yes, it is. It's our duty of discipleship. So hold them up in prayer. And so serve them in word and in deed that they will open their hearts to the love of Jesus Christ. The love and forgiveness and reconciliation with the Father that's there in, in his truth. It is the deepest desire of our Father's heart that the people he sends into your orbit come to know him as their Savior. So have you accepted this most personal duty and this calling? If you have, what it will do is it will move you to your knees. In other words, it will get you praying. We don't always have to pray on our knees. Pray when walking and walking down the street. Pray, connect with your Father in all circumstances. They don't have to be just right. They don't have to be beautiful 70-degree uh, cool mornings. They can be the hottest day, and there's a few of, few of those ahead. But it'll move you to pray, and it'll make your prayer effectual. So we talked about desperation, and we talked about duty. The third motive here is destitution. Desperation, duty, destitution. A friend of mine, again, verse 6, but we're emphasizing a different part of this verse. Notice how every word of God is valuable in everything he says. There isn't a single word that doesn't have power and meaning. I'm amazed at that. Oh, ye of little faith, you're amazed at things like that. He's, his word is perfect and true. A friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. I have nothing to set before him, is the phrase we're emphasizing here. Destitution, absolute poverty. It's not pleasant. I have nothing. I have nothing. But it's your friend in prayer. It's your friend in prayer. When God sends somebody into your life, into your connections, into your circles, do you approach them with a full inner confidence and a sense of self-sufficiency? Self honestly, I honestly hope not. I hope not. I hope not. Jesus taught his disciples essentially the opposite. I want us to read from John 15. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to pull this up, but uh, uh, I'm just going to read it to you. Just listen to the Lord's words in John 15. The Lord Jesus taught his disciples on the very last night that he was betrayed. He said, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. There it is. Our man in the parable said, I have nothing to set before him. In the upper room, Jesus again emphasized this aspect of God's sufficiency in prayer. Not self-sufficiency. God's sufficiency 
is needed in every one of our encounters. And if we go with a sense of self-sufficiency, it may feel good, it may come off well, may impress some folks, but listen, it's not drawing people to the Father. The Lord alone does that in you. So he went on to, in, in John 15, he said, if you abide in me, and this is how, where the connection to prayer is, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And you know, this, this is how it, it, it sounds in our prayers when we come with nothing, when we come with a sense of needing God's sufficiency and not having our own. We, we'll, we'll pray, Lord, this person, this difficult person keeps doing this over and over again and I, I just can't find it in myself to forgive him or her. Yet you command me to do that. You say, if I don't forgive everybody their sins, neither will you forgive me. How can I? How can I do this? My cupboards are empty, God. I've got nothing here. I can't do this. I can't forgive this person. That's called destitution. We need to know our poverty. Lord, my dear friend is dying, and I don't know how to comfort my dear friend. If you're not in that comfort, he won't be comforted. I have no words. I don't have any actions to offer. My friend is, I have a friend facing great temptation. And I have nothing to say, nothing to do that I can, I can help that person who's suffering that temptation. Or my son told me I no longer believe in God. Any, any of you ever experienced anything like that? My dad is so angry. Three of the families in my neighborhood do not attend church. Oh, Lord, I don't know. How can we connect with him? How? What do I have to offer to say? I'm shy. I don't know how to. My cupboards are empty here, Lord. I, I, need, I need your help. I need your help. My best friend from school, from back in school, is now an atheist. What can I say or do? Or how, what? I, I don't have it here. So like desperation... And like duty, this is a powerful motive here in this beautiful parable the Lord gave us that will move us to our knees. It will get us praying. And it will make our prayer effectual. Desperation, duty, and destitution. None of it is comfortable. It's like being out on a cold street in the middle of the night. It's... The feelings we have. But listen, it's our authority is not our feelings. Authority is the word of God. It is the word of God is our authority and the truth. Our faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the Lord, and I'm not going to comment on this last part because really of this is the conclusion of the message. But I will let the Lord's words 
In our passage, Luke 1 through 13, the last words are going to conclude this message. And then, then we'll pray together. And I tell you, the Lord says here, right after the parable, the, word, the passage continues. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. By the way, in this, these, the, word, the, the closing words from the Lord here this morning, I want you to hear for the warmth and connection with the Father. I tell you, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it, to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to, to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And that is all you need. For all that the Lord has called you to in this life, and for every person He sends into your, into your circles of friendship and co-workers and neighbors so that you one day will go to the Lord and the Lord will say well done well done you could not do it on your own but you could do it with him see prayer is always and ever as the Lord has taught us this morning about connecting well with a good good father so in fact we start praying we turn to him as our father so let let's let's stand together as we close in prayer let's stand together and turn to our dear father heavenly father thank you for thank you for loving us thank you for the true picture of your closeness you have given us life you've given each one of us physical life but that is not what has made us your children it is the Lord Jesus and Lord we thank you for going to the cross for us thank you for giving your life for us thank you for making us your children Thank you for opening a way through your blood and your sacrifice. We can go straight to the Father, to our Father, who is so, so close to us and holds us so, so dearly. Thank you we can say our Father. And we can bring our needs before you this day. I would pray that you will help us connect well with you that you will help these words that you have spoken to us this morning uh, find good soil in our hearts, bring out of that good soil rich, more rich connection with you in prayer. And especially as we celebrate together communion, which is really a, a remembrance 
of what you have done to make that possible, to make us close, to take us in from the cold street, make us your children, be part of your family. Thank you for this. Continue to be with us now as we continue to worship you, continue to sing to your holy name. Amen.